Hey guys, on this episode of EdTech, I'll be joined by Mike Tomei, Ernie Bailey, and Rob Raspberry as we talk about experience centers and peer reviews. All this and more on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 73, Peer Review versus Experience Centers. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Biamp. This is EdTech, the Higher Ed Monthly Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell, and this month I'm joined by Mike Tomei. How are you, sir? Good. Glad to be back. Ah, good to have you back, man. Yeah. Uh, as well as Rob Raspberry from Drexel. How are you, sir? April showers bring May installations i don't know uh, sure yeah. and and as long as it's not a shower of sparks and <laughs> last but certainly not least uh mr ernie bailey how are you sir i'm doing just fine that's good so uh first and foremost uh we would like to welcome mike to my back mike has been um has been a regular guest on the show um we're just going to say that consulting and life happens um so once again it is always a pleasure to have mike back on the show and everything yeah thanks of course um actually first and foremost mike what have been like uh you know we always like to kind of catch up with things but uh what's been the uh latest uh, to-do project uh for for you and your uh your fine consulting biz i'm working on a bunch of stuff um you know, I really target kind of central New York at the moment um, with my projects. Mm -hmm. So I'm uh, kind of all the way from um, Albany area down to the southern part of New York State. Okay. Um, I think is it like the SUNY schools or is it a mix of a uh... bunch of SUNY schools, a um, bunch of privates? Um, right now, probably 80% of my work is higher ed and then 20% um, corporate work. I'm doing a lot of um, kind of credit union and bank work at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, extremely busy though i mean it's just there's just so much going on with av these days and it is um, it is a good problem to have yeah new construction all over the place um, yay yeah uh actually if anything from an install perspective i actually get more fun out of uh new construction rather than renovations just because new construction it's kind of like well okay there's a change order involved with this but at least it's like okay there's there's ways to adjust this as opposed to renovations where it's kind of like yeah no you can't go uh, into the floor below why because there's still uh you know you, you can't do a cordial there right now why well class is in session okay yeah. Or the building was built in 1920, and it's like, yeah, yeah there's just yeah. a surprise everywhere you turn. Yes, my, my yeah. all-time favorite was uh, doing a corporate office building, and they wanted to mount a floor box um, directly to – it was weird. It had a, a, a false uh, floor, a raised floor, and they're like, oh, no, you have to actually mount the box to the uh, floor. Well, the thing was no one had said that the uh, cement floor was uh, – oh, I want to say – built back like the whole building was built back in like the 1950s so the cement might as well have been like petrified wood <laughs> so you know i just looked and went all right well have fun with that and happily yeah. handed off a hammer drill to an electrician went have fun bye <laughs> so anyways yep. uh all right so our first uh first couple of uh, articles uh first one is actually off of uh innovate uh innovate and it covers how uh, Sony has uh, gone and, you know, we've talked about in the past, there's been 4K, then there was 8K, 
now they've gone to 16k <laughs> and um which is cool uh the my question is two things one um there's has to if, if you look through the article um it's literally you know as i say it's about 16 it has about 16 times as many pixels as 4k display which once again the size if you look at the size of this thing it's freaking massive i would hope so but at the same time I don't even know where they're getting the content. And then the second question comes out of this is, are they even getting the content to the screens? Like this has to be like, I look at this and I go, this is just straight single mode fiber going straight into uh, a converter or something like that is just massive. I mean, it's cool, but you know, it, it's one of those ones of, uh, you know, not as I say, it's, it's, it's cool. Uh, once again, this is in the realm of the, uh, you know, check out the Lamborghini. Oh, I don't know how to drive stick. Okay. But that's my, that's my take on this. Uh, and Rob's just shaking his head going, no, that will never happen at this school. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that or please no, may this not happen at the school. Um, actually that does bring up a thing and that is, um, and this is, this will be something I'll, I'll really ask more for you and Mike and Ernie on this one. And that is when it comes to things like video walls, I can appreciate the fact that it's got a big wow factor and, it, and it'll pop, but you know, and Mike, this is something maybe for the, the, you've been working on and seeing more as uh, you know, renovation and new construction goes on. Is that something that like folks are going, Oh no, we want this. Or is this really something that's really just more of, you know, look how far we can push it. <laughs> Or look how far we can go with this. Yeah, so I think that the corporate clients are a lot more in tune with the video walls and um, wanting those for lobbies and um, public areas. I feel like my higher ed projects uh, always start out with a big video wall in the lobby, high <laughs> hopes uh, that, that it's going to fit the budget. And um, it seems to peter out after a while because we just need the money elsewhere for the wet labs upstairs or for... Uh, um, the teaching spaces. Um, but there's always this high hope of a nice big video wall when you walk in and really showy. Um, mm -hmm. It's just not really sticking with a lot of budgets that I've, uh, projects that I've been working on, and especially not in the teaching spaces. Um, I haven't had a need for uh, like fine pitch LED video walls in classrooms, really. Um, it, you know, I've done some uh, flat panel display uh, video walls, but those are more meeting spaces and mm. maybe some lobbies. Um, so, no, go ahead. No, no. The thing I was going to ask is this: um, in the corporate environment, I get that because it's an image and it's a branding thing. Um, you're right. With the schools, it turns more into this would be really. It's it's almost a must-have in the corporate environment it's kind of a must-have because it's how you present yourself and how they they bring themselves to clients and you'd think on the higher ed side that would be just as important but really at the core of it when it comes to the students and you know we've kind of talked about this here and there before uh, um, on a higher ed level listen we can put in the most high-end equipment possible in the space but if our faculty don't know how to use it it's once again, it's the Lamborghini. It's, you know, we've built the Lamborghini and they don't know how to, you know, they don't know how to drive stick. Yeah. And it's, once again, it's great. Um, at the same time, I think also a lot of the corporate folks um, tend to have a content manager. And at the school level, a lot of times we either, you know, there is someone dedicated just to that or it's, hey, marketing. And 
you know, a lot of times that's outsourced too, but that's just my own, that's my own bit on that. Um, Ernie, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, starting out on the Sony deal, that looks like it's a single screen from the way I'm reading that. It's not a wall. Mm. Uh, and they said they had to create their own content for it. Ah, well, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's one of those, yeah, that's neat. You know, do we really need a bus size display in a classroom? <laughs> Exactly how they described this, bus-sized. <laughs> uh, 19 meters by five and a half meters. <laughs> uh, I mean, once again, cool. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's cool. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. Um, so I think, um, uh, sorry to jump in there, Ernie, but I think the, the only possible, well, I'm not going to say possible, use uh, at somewhere down the road is the wow factor. So as an example, we have a, a small video wall in admissions. Right. So when the students come in and tour, you know, they see this nice big screen when they're walking in and it's like, okay, great. Yeah. Maybe That's what they're going to do with my tuition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're right, uh, in a classroom. Yeah. I, I could see it. If, if you had a way to deliver multiple sources to it content. I see the digital canvas yep. application of this where you can put up multiple 4K, you can put up four or 4K images on it, okay? Right. Uh, or uh, 16 uh, HD images. Uh, but going back to your video wall situation, I've got an interesting meeting coming up here in about an hour. I'm meeting with an associate dean. A department chair has decided that he wants to put a video wall in one of our small auditorium. Now, this is a multi-use auditorium by multiple departments. We've got a very nice projector in the room, very <laughs> nice projector, but he wants to spend $50,000 because he's got $50,000 that he's about to lose if he doesn't spend it. Uh. He's going to tear up a beautiful architectural wall that has built-in whiteboard, I mean, integrated into the wall. But, you know, right now we raise a screen, they've got a nice whiteboard, sir. They're, we're going to lose all that, tear up this wall. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, they're presenting scientific images and spreadsheets in there, and they're going to have, uh, you know, near, uh, or, yeah, nine-millimeter bezels, but two of them at each point. So 1.8-millimeter gap doesn't sound like much, but when you start looking at it, uh, you know, on a three-by-three three wall, yeah, you know, tic-tac-toe board. Yeah. Uh, and it's not going to work with numbers or very intricate uh, scientific images. So what I'm telling them is, you know, if you're after the brightness, I can put in a basically 200-foot uh, uh, Lambert image, you know, double the brightness we try to put in any room mm -hmm. for $20,000, the same size as the video wall, which is – four inches larger than the current screen, okay? It's, you're not getting a bigger image with the video wall. No. You can tell all your colleagues you have a video wall. That's, I think that's where this is going. <laughs> like I said, this, this room is used by multiple departments. He uses it a couple hours a week. But he has not talked to any of the other users. We have a committee system that reviews any, you know, shared space technology. He refuses to come to the committee but I'm on, discuss this. He's just decided he's going to spend the money. So I'm meeting with the associate dean and him 
and probably my and maybe an associate provost at 10. Now, actually, Ernie, there is one thing I want to just it kind of bouncing off this for a second. Uh, with the, when you, when you talk about, you know, are you adding an additional projector, like stacking a projector, or are you talking about getting a oh. whole new bright, brighter projector? I'm talking about a, a brighter projector. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, uh, laser. I, I mean, I've priced, I've got, you know, uh, we've got the same projector in a couple of the rooms. We know it's a good projector. Mm -hmm. We rely on it. Don't stare directly into it. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a 15 K laser. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, Nine inch wide uh, image. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be projecting, yeah. you know, uh, HD, not even going 4K with it. But his video wall was not going to be 4K either. <laughs> it was a single input video wall. So while there are nine displays, you could only send one signal. Once again, it looks cool. How does it work? Yeah. I have no idea, but doesn't it look cool? <laughs> the way I found about it, out about it was the integrator called me and told me he was coming for a site visit and wouldn't know if I wanted to come over there. <laughs> okay. on my campus so <laughs> yeah we, we've actually had uh, um, a thing going on recently with our campus in that um, for the longest time we've had it you know normally the hospitality folks in the student center have done their thing and we've done ours um, but you know due to budgetary shortfall stuff they said oh hi so can you help us out with some stuff and we said, well, how much money do you have and what do you want to do and this and that. You know, we kind of, you know, I, I built I uh, built out the uh, the Cadillac and I said, all right, if you need to, we can scale this down to, you know, a moped with uh, with a, a bell uh, a, with, a, you know, the bike, the bike bell. And um, it's funny. They put in for both the large. They wanted to upgrade. They have a three way divisible ballroom. And they wanted to update the whole thing. And I said, cool, that's going to be down for about at least four weeks. And uh, because we're talking about pulling new cabling, electrical, the floor boxes are completely rusted out. So there's a, there's a possibility of, you know, hopefully we can just replace the brackets. Uh, so there's electrical and everything else. And I said, oh, yeah, and it's going to cost around at least about 100, 100K because we're talking about replacing new projectors, lenses, projector screens, uh, the whole, the whole works. And they went, Oh, well, we only have 30 K. I'm like, well, I can do these four rooms downstairs then. And <laughs> strangely enough, once again, we're all, I'm sure this is a common theme for everyone right now is the fact that it's, we're changing over FY, uh, FY years. So now all of a sudden it's, it's going into, Oh, okay. If it's not in by, uh, for us, if it's not in by June 30th, um, you know, we get the money uh, uh, pulled back from us and everything. Uh, Rob and Ernie, I'm sure you guys both yeah. have similar. Yeah, if it's not on site by this date, it don't. It, it doesn't count. And no, we're not going to re-encumber the money from last year because it's an accounting nightmare. Yes. Uh, all right. Moving on. Um, the other one is, uh, and once again, this is something that kind of really more keep on the horizon. Um, this comes to us from avtechnology.com uh, or AV AV, uh, yeah, avtechnology.com. And it talks about the new standard sets with HDMI 2.1. Now, if you're not familiar, this does not mean that, you know, you have to go out and get all brand new, brand spanking new cables and everything. Um, this is actually more along on the chipset. So in this case, uh, it's the HDMI 2.1 chipset. And if you uh, look through the article and everything, 
they've they've bumped up a couple of things. Uh, the biggest one is increasing the bandwidth from uh, 18 gig to 48 gig, uh, which bumps it up into the 8K realm. Uh, which, you know, I look at and go, cool. Then the other part of it part of it goes, okay. Now that we're moving over into the AV over IP space. How does this work out? Because, you know, before a number of uh, uh, manufacturers uh, have all gone and said, oh, you can totally do this on a one gig uh, uh, backplane or um, in some cases, oh, you know what? Did we say one? We meant 10. Well, now I'm looking at the uh, looking at it. Now, my theory on all this is we are going to be getting now more into the realm of compression and codecs and, and how do you, you know, like I said, we've gone from uh, MPEG uh, MPEG four, or sorry, we've gone from MPEG two to MPEG four, and I'm sure they'll they'll work its way up where it'll kind of compress it and reduce the bandwidth. Um, in the as I say, in the grand scheme of things, uh, honestly, I, I, I the way the way adoption works out, um, it's you know what it, it, as I say, it has been it has been a bit of time, but I think it's going to be at least another couple of years before we probably start seeing HDMI uh, 2.1, or at least stuff that says it's HDMI 2.1. I mean, you know, if you look if you look at any of the displays now, just now you're starting to get displays like you know we have NECs. The first port usually has HDMI 2.0. The rest of them are you know, oh 1.3 or 1.4. So I think it'll be one of those kind of rolling things. Um, you know, gentlemen, thoughts? I'll jump in. So, um, yeah, like like you said, it really hasn't affected us at the moment, especially in um, kind of higher ed or commercial AV um, with 2.1. But it's interesting that going back to the resolution discussion, yeah. so this, this 2.1 spec says that they can get uh, 8K, down the uh, down the HDMI cable, and then they were mention making mention of 10K, but who knows what kind of frame rate or what they're doing to or compression on that. But um, but the, it really hasn't. I mean, we're just kind of jumping into 4K and higher ed, um, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, so I mean, 8K is pretty far on the horizon for uh, my projects, especially. So um, interesting to see that they they keep pushing it ahead, but um, not really affecting me. Uh, too much at the moment. Well, you know what, Mike, this is what I'll ask you. Um, and it kind, of, it kind of does affect it. It does affect you in the way of future proofing. So when you're going in and like saying specking cable and everything, like right now, what's your minimum, like what's the minimum level uh, cable that you're specking? Like, you know, for us around here, most of the time it's shielded cat six or, you know, if we can, if there's not a whole lot going on, we usually just do six A. So. Yeah. Shielded, shielded cat six. Um, in projects for future proofing. I mean, to future proof um, a project that's going in right now for um, to be able to handle something like 8K later would, I mean, th probably the room is going to be, um, you know, ripped out by the time, uh, by the time we're really looking to do 4K uh, or 8K, sorry. Um, so, but yeah, future proofing for, um, you know, shielded uh, Cat 6 in there and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a definite um, in uh, in projects, um, Ernie, Rob, you guys are saying fiber. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean we're playing with the idea of fiber, but really we're sticking with Cat Six, shielded Cat Six, mm -hmm. uh, in our any of our spaces that seems to handle anything we can do. Mm -hmm. uh, like Mike said, you know, by the time we get around to eight K, 
we have real 8K content and displays, we're going to be replacing walls and floors anyway. Yeah. Buildings, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, we are, uh, you know, putting in 4K infrastructure, even mm -hmm. though we're not seeing much content. Uh, you know, it's just easier to do that. Well, you don't want to see a pie, you don't want to see a, a pie chart in 4K? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, we are putting in our first end-to-end uh, -end 4K room right now. Uh, mm -hmm. It's for a radiology video conferencing system. See, now that's where it actually, uh, that's where, in your case, Ernie, it is, there, there is a, a stark exception yes. in the fact that for you guys, you know, there's a reason why there's medical-grade displays. There's a reason for all right. these because... You know, the contrast ratio, as I say, you need certain higher contrast ratios and more importantly, you need the higher resolution because, oh yeah, that spot, that could be a, you know, cancerous tumor spot and oops. Yeah. yeah. This is not actually a diagnostic center that we're yeah. putting it in, but they will be showing, you know, what they did diagnostically mm -hmm. to, to their colleagues in the room. So we didn't take the extra step to put in the true medical grade displays no, if you no. can but we're still putting in you know uh 86 inch uh 4k displays in the room yeah so it's it's it, let's put it this way they're still good they're still going to be able to see quite a quite a high amount yes. of detail right and, and uh, you know we did look at contrast ratios and everything else yeah i i would i would expect no less ernie <laughs> like it, it's one of those like yeah yeah so hey man um once again just this kind of boils down to um it's just something to keep in keep in mind for the future. Uh, do I think it's going to be one of those, you know, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, uh, you know, bite us, uh, bite us in the back end kind of thing? Not really, but it's really more of just keep it in mind. Um, you know, really, it does kind of boil down to, well, how do you future proof? Well, here for us, uh, future proofing is um, conduit, making sure that there's uh, uh, there's enough flex space for uh, fiber. And leaving pull string, but that's about it. Um, yeah. So moving on. Uh, the last but not least on this one uh, it comes to us from commercialintegrator.com, uh, and it covers over the fact that Vistacom um, has actually, which is a uh, regional integrator and everything, uh, Vistacom actually goes and builds an experience center and brings both their employees and customers into the middle of AV tech. So in this case. It's more the fact that Vistacom is an integrator and they're actually showing off their own experience centers. Um, now, it should be noted that um, a certain number of manufacturers do tend to go and say, well, if you want to be a rep for us or you want to be a uh, showroom center, there does have to be this much percentage of the equipment in the room. Um, you know, for example, like Cisco, if you want to show off their Cisco codecs and everything, obviously you have to use uh, Cisco uh, switches. Uh, they prefer that you use their Cisco equip, their own Cisco equipment and mics and everything like that. Um, but you know, it's it's the way I view it is this: is it'll it, like I like the idea of experience centers. I don't. I, I like it specifically that they're not beholden to one. Uh, particular manufacturer. Uh, I know some of them really don't like that because they want you to play in their sandbox. But as we've said on the show before, manufacturers, AV manufacturers all have their specialties. You know, they have some stuff that's really bulletproof. And then there's some stuff where you're like, cool, put this back in the oven. Um, 
So I, I, I like it at the same time. Um, I think that there's definitely room for improvement in terms of, well, it, all right. So if you look through, they, they actually go through and show off uh, a variety of some of the rooms they have and it's, everything's clean and nice and perfect. And yeah, I like that too. At the same time, I, I'd actually be more appreciative if they had things where, uh, showed, like their own version of doing a retrofit, uh, because, uh, you know, guys, you know, as well as I do, there's certain times where it's, where we look at a room and say, this would be perfect if we could do a core drill in here, too bad we're on the, we're in the basement. Uh, and you know, there's, there's ways where you can show show off, like say, uh, like Legrand and a couple of other companies all have like, you know, uh, over, over the floor raceway mold and everything. Is it the prettiest thing? No, but at the same time, uh, you know, a number of these rooms, we don't always have budget. We, we don't always have the budget that we like. We have the budget that we're given. And, um, I don't know. Maybe it's, 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 as I say, you know what? I'm looking at it now and thinking about it. It's, it's kind of me saying, yeah, yeah. Nice new car dealership. Hey, you got to show off some of the pre-owned cars too. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, as I say, Ernie, what do you, as I say, uh, would you, here's my question would you, for you guys. Granted, yes, we do a lot of our own stuff in-house, but would you ever want to go and visit like an Aaron Grader's like uh, showroom just to at least kind of kick the tires uh, before you guys uh, before you guys uh, drove off the lot, so to speak? I have done that before, but I would really prefer to go see something they've installed for someone else. I know mm -hmm. they're getting away from that. Mm -hmm. I would rather see and talk to a customer at the same time. You know, did you get what you thought you were getting? Mm -hmm. uh, how did everything go? Uh, and what I found is that most integrators that have time to do their own conference room mm -hmm. aren't, you know, aren't that busy <laughs> for a reason. It's uh, a good point. Uh, no, you're right. The, the, the client sites are, are kind of a little bit, I think it's a little bit better because, um, in the regards of you can actually talk with someone who's dealt with the day to days, um, you know, right. I'm sure to say if anything we've gone to other sites and everything and uh you know i've seen how rutgers uh does their stuff and something sometimes they go oh this was so great and this and that uh-huh is this homebrewed or is this like something that the integrator came up with a lot more times i've heard from them it's been homebrewed and yeah. you know it, it's it's one of those things i think it'd be it would actually be better for like say the the not the integrator but i'm gonna say the manufacturer to do kind of more <laughs> Uh, homebrewing with like some of the some of their clients like I said obviously there's uh, the wonderful world of NDAs involved and everything but you know a little bit more a uh, little bit more outreach um, Mr. Tomei what are your thoughts I think um, with the experience centers it's they're nice but um, getting faculty user groups off campus oh. to go to those is hard. Um, it's really hard. It's hard enough to get them to go across campus to go look at a different um, uh, different department's uh, room that just got installed as a benchmark. So um, getting a, a faculty group together and to go to a experience center, especially for me being in central New York, we're pretty far from the experience center. So I can't just grab people and drive four hours to New York City yeah. to go to an experience center. So, um, so I haven't had much of a need there and I um, I can't really see bringing faculty groups there uh, when you're working on projects. Usually it's benchmarking other rooms on campus or um, a peer institution that's maybe right down the street. 
Um, I've been down those roads before with faculty groups, and those are really useful to do those benchmarking trips. Yeah, the peer, the peer review ones are, are usually good. Uh, the other thing that I've found that actually tends to get their, uh, their interest um, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a, it, it's a little bit of a cost, but it's actually worth it in the end. Um, you, you offer lunch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that's, that suddenly seems to go, Oh, I'll, I'll pop up for this. Uh, just about every union meeting I've ever been to, they always offer a light lunch and strangely enough, uh, uh, you know, attendance goes up, it goes up at least 50%. So. I know. Once again, welcome to the world of higher ed. Free, as I say, free, say free lunch. Free lunch. Everyone takes advantage. Anyways, that's all the time we have for this show, uh, Mr. Tomei, Where can folks find you at? Well, uh, my website is tomeiav.com. That's T-O-M-E-I-A-V.com or uh, LinkedIn. I'm always on there. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Mr. Raspberry, always LinkedIn. There we go. And Mr. Bailey, I'm also LinkedIn. There we go. I'm Bill O'Dell. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as on Twitter. Uh, that is all the time we have. Once again, this is EdTech, the monthly higher ed tech podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell. This is EdTech, part of the AV Nation podcast group. Once again, this is EdTech.